I, I think I, I was like, all right, I'm going to post a TikTok every day this week. And then I got to like day five and I was like so lazy to make anything interesting that I just like played one of my demos off the speakers and that shit like blew up. It was like my fifth TikTok and that was happy, healthy. I know crazy. Right. And then I was like, wow, what do I, what do I do? Like I, uh, this song wasn't done. It was like a really rough demo. It was like literally just my voice guitars and like a drum loop and that shit blew up. And I was like, this is not releasable. Like this is not, the only reason people are kind of like implying that it sounds good is because it's being played off a speaker like 30 feet away. What up, what up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to another more convos. Today joining us is another very special guest, Max Bennett Kelly. Uh, thank you for joining yeah. us, man. And uh, rising musician, artist. And we're going to talk about, you know, brand new released EP and kind of how you got into music and everything in between. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Okay, so first of all, you know, for our listeners, viewers and whatnot, we always want to start kind of like a little bit back in the beginning. How did you kind of like come up as in your childhood? Where'd you grow up? How did you first kind of like start getting into music? Yeah, so my parents met. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> so I grew, up, I grew up in Seattle, a uh, suburb called Kent. Um, you know, uh, pretty creative place in Seattle. So being, uh, I, I guess like doing creative stuff always seemed pretty natural and, you know, um, encouraged growing up. Uh, I started making music. I want to say I was a like 10. I got, you know, when they give you a choice, like what instrument you want to play in school, I picked the upright bass and I just like loved it. Um, but first I would, my, I guess my first thing I would do before music, I was like always illustrating stuff like that. And I always uh, found that really easy. So when I started playing music and I found it kind of hard, it like lit a fire underneath me. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get good sounds. at this. I thought that was, yeah. So I remember just playing that thing for like, Oh my God, I probably drove my parents crazy. Also I'm like tiny and playing this giant instrument up my bass. Um, but I remember when it clicked and I was like, Oh, whoa, like my, this hand, this hand are working together and it's like making, it's, there's a difference between when it's just noises and when it's music. Right. Yeah. And I remember like figuring that out when I was like 10. And so I feel like I've just kind of been chasing that feeling ever since. Um, but yeah, I started writing my own songs, like probably actually before that, before I even really knew what music was, I just had this inclination to write like lyrics and I'd write them on notebook paper about like girls and shit. I didn't really know what I was hearing when I heard music. I didn't know what the guitar sounded like. I didn't know what drums were, but I knew like yeah. what lyrics were. So lyrics have always been a huge focus for me. Um, but yeah, I think it just kind of happened really naturally. My friends were all interested in doing creative stuff and I would always take the charge there. So um, my dad's really creative also. He was a, he went to film school and he produces commercials, like local spots and stuff. So he always had a bunch of video equipment and that's kind of how it started. Like, you know, the combination of, Here's like us all wanted to make noise. And then YouTube was like kind of taken off in the music world back then. That was when like, I remember like odd features making videos and like yeah. those old, like, um, Mac Miller videos he would do rest in peace. I remember like watching that back in the day and it really made music feel like something that was possible. You could do it. Right. Yeah. So back, so back then we like, we actually were like, we were rapping first. I remember doing like, those YouTube ciphers and shit where everyone really passed the beat around, you know, and we would do those. Um, but I was, I guess I was producing back then too. I would like, you know, I guess I had to learn like, okay, this sounds like shit. How to make this sound better. 
get a better microphone. Okay. How do you use this? Okay. You got to get an interface. Okay. How do you make this like weird noise go away? Got to mix it. So yeah. that kind of shit started pretty young. Um, but yeah, then eventually when my friend started like producing his own beats, so then we were making like fully original music and then, um, that kind of turned into like a band. So we started playing live instruments and stuff. And then we kind of started getting into, um, like emo and punk shit. So I was in that band forever. These were like my friends that were my neighbors, small town, you know, growing up and we were friends first musician. Second started out in like hip hop cause we loved lyrics. Um, and then somehow that just kind of turned into us doing like hip hop influenced like punk shit and all this yeah. stuff was never put online. This is all we were like. So, um, we thought we were like, so sick. Like we were like just all live and we did hella shows and then moved to Arizona, you know, there's a good, there's a cool, like live music scene in Tucson. Yeah, there is. So we were playing like, we probably played like hundreds of shows in Tucson. It's so easy to get on a bill there. And like, there's just so many venues and such a, a demand for live music. And so I really cut my teeth there and keep in mind, literally none of this was put online. Like we were so against like social media, which is so stupid. We were like, how many people can we get through? How many people can we get to a show without ever even like having an Instagram page? And like, I don't know, that's doable, I guess in Tucson, but then we were like, let's move to LA. Um, and our lease started in LA March, 2020. So the combination of like moving there during COVID plus like LA is a much bigger, um, arena to play in meant like nothing, none of the work we did in Arizona translated whatsoever. Cause we had like one song on Spotify and, but like, we didn't know how to like really produce stuff. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, so yeah, we all stuck in this house together and like, we didn't make any music and the thing kind of just died instantly. Um, the band broke up like right away. I think people, I think that we came with like a team of like nine people that moved into this place on Melrose, big ass house. And then everyone left except for me and my best friend who actually wasn't in the band. He's like a, he was a videographer at the time, but, uh, we were like, okay, I guess we're here. Like I still wanted to do music, even if my friends didn't want to. I think like the, the realization that, you know, this is kind of my project all along, uh, kind of hit me and it was like, well, now I got to figure out how to do the work of like five people and like, got to yeah. learn how to do this. So towards the end of 2020, I decided to, okay, fuck it, I'm going to be a solo artist. And then I, I was like, I got to learn how to produce. I don't got nothing else to do. Um, felt kind of embarrassed. So the game, I moved to LA and I'd never really worked on music for more than like a couple hours at a time, but now I got, 24 hours sit inside. How do, how do, how do I do this? Like literally, how do I do music for that long? Cause I know it's possible. So then I just was like committed to sitting at this studio and for like 16 hours a day, just watching like Kenny beats live streams learning how to produce. And like, um, there's that Ableton free trial thing they were doing during COVID. So I just kept like re-upping that every 90 days. And then just still on like FL studio at the time, not by not Cause I like, I'd chosen it, nothing wrong with the program, but that was just like what some kid was passing yeah, around. I'm driving so. back. And you know, like when you're 14 people just got it on a thumb drive and give it to you. And I'd be using that same cracked FL studio 10 or whatever for like, however long. So I decided to like, take it into my own hands, like learn Ableton. I didn't know anything about Ableton, but I was like, I want to start fresh, like figure out this all out on my own. Um, and then, then it started happening pretty quickly. I mean, I had made like a couple like songs two years ago. about You kind of started. Yeah. Doing? Really, really quick. I mean, I've written a fuck ton of songs my whole life. I played music a lot, but never really produced and recorded it. Right. And so I perceive that even that's not true. Like if I really go count all of the various projects of stuff I have online, I'm not going to say what the names of them are, but I have like over like four hours of music online. Right. But like, I just counted this recently, but stuff that I was proud of and polished and done none. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I just started making some stuff, put like two songs out into the ether 
And then I was like, I guess everyone's on TikTok. I got to do, I got to do TikTok. And then, um, I, I think I, I was like, all right, I'm going to post a TikTok every day this week. And then I got to like day five and I was like so lazy to make anything interesting that I just like played one of my demos off the speakers and that shit like blew up. It was like my fifth TikTok and that was happy, healthy. I know crazy. Right. And then I was like, wow, what do I, what do I do? Like I, uh, this song wasn't done. It was like a really rough demo. It was like literally just my voice guitars and like a drum loop and that shit blew up. And I was like, this is not releasable. Like this is not the only reason people are kind of like implying that it sounds good is because it's being played off a speaker like 30 feet away. But if you actually hear what the sounds like, it does not sound good. So then I had like, yeah, then some, uh, um, some pretty heavy stuff happened that same day that it blew up. One of my best friends, uh, actually passed away that same day. And, um, he, you know, he and I were really close. He was pursuing becoming a professional fighter at the same time I was pursuing becoming a musician and we were like, always holding each other accountable. And so the loss of him on the day that it started taking off really was heavy. I was like, what's okay. Here's my music, whatever. This is like a dude's like life. This pales in comparison to this, but I also knew that he'd want me to continue. Right. So I knew that I had to go back home to be at the funeral in like two weeks. So I was like, all right, I got two weeks. I don't want to be thinking about this. I got to finish the song. So I finished it in two weeks. Like figured that that was like my first really thing, first real thing I'd ever fully produced on my own. And then, um, I put it out, uh, right. I think after the funeral, um, and then, yeah, that's when everything started happening. When the song was actually out is when it started like really going viral, um, picking up traction. That was really weird. So I was fucking terrified. I had no follow up, also like grieving. Um, so I started kind of, you know, now I'm getting like people hitting me up for sessions. Like I started making a fuck ton of music, but also like partying a bunch and like, dating girls that wouldn't have talked to me before, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so I kind of like lost touch with what was important, um, and started being really unhappy. And so then I kind of compiled all I, at the end of the year, I was like, this is not making me happy anymore. I got to figure out what I actually like about it and kind of return to why I got into music in the first place. And then, yeah, those songs I wrote at that time ended up becoming the EP that's out now. Um, and so I called it junk mail. First of all, it's like a, a good, a good little pun. And then also because it's like, yeah, I was like the worst version of myself in the shadow of my like success. Right. Like you think that pursuing something is going to turn you into a better person, I guess is the assumption, but I had gotten like what I wanted and it became like a terrible version of myself. So I was like making it into music and getting it out of my system kind of will ensure that I can't go, I can't do that again. Now it's out of my system. I'm done. Um, so yeah, I feel super cathartic to have that out. Um, I put it out on Friday, which is actually the two year to the day anniversary of when happy healthy blew up on TikTok and the day that my friend died. So we just did this concert and I did it in, in memory of him. And we also did this short film that goes with the EP in which I play this fighter, like a boxer. And that was what he you know wanted to do. And so this film was in memory of him as well. And so it ended up being a really special, um, but heavy day this, this weekend. And, um, but uh, I felt good about making it, like making a monument out of something, you know, like doing as much as you can for, for my friend and, you know, everything that happened since he died. And yeah, so here we are now. That's the story. Okay. I mean, super, you know, super crazy story how you kind of got to this point. And like, like you said, you had been doing music for like pretty much most of your life. And then like 
yeah. to get to LA, have everything kind of like blow up with your band, and then have to kind of like go through this crash course of figuring out how to do it solo. It's got to be like a pretty kind of like intense journey. And then to see it like kind of like just take off with the way like social media has this ability to do. Sure, it was a lot, man. Yeah. Like, it's a lot to handle, especially as like somebody who's like kind of new to everything like that. Yeah, it was very, uh, it felt nothing like I would have expected, you know, like you, I think people that are on the outsides of the industry don't really understand what actually happens when, you know, something takes off. Like I remember like, so this is back. So I basically went from having like literally like 500 plays in a song to like the next thing I looked like this thing had like a million plays within like less than a month. Right. So I was like insanity. But to me, I remember at the time looking at people that had like a hundred K plays in the song and being like, Oh, these people must have like a mansion. Or like these people must be like famous. I had no idea. I had no barometer. So then like getting to like see that a song like, you know, takes off. I would have thought that like, oh, I, my life would be set. I'd be like retired. I'd, I'd get like a, a pension. I had no idea. I don't know. Coming from a small town, people see numbers and think it's a big deal. But then like seeing it happen and then it didn't really feel as like, I thought my life would be complete as soon as I had a song yeah. would, like, you know, blow up. And, and I guess I just wasn't happy for a variety of reasons, you know? Like I wasn't taking care of myself. My friend died. It also like, you know, I was chasing this carrot for so long that I got it. And I was like, what's the point yeah, of this? It wasn't what you expected. Um, yeah. yeah. Really, really existential moment. Like I was like, what, what actually matters in life, you know, like, and then just kind of the way I was living my life in LA, like doing like li- behaving in a way that was like so extra just so that I would have stuff to write songs about. Like that's like, I was like, thinking my life was like a movie, you know, like, yeah. I, I mean, but what else do you think? Like, that's the only exposure you have to it. Like, okay. I grew up in a small town and I moved to LA. Like I live in this garage. Like I, I felt like I had to kind of buy into that whole narrative. Um, but then, you know, when real life started kicking in and like I'm getting fucking taxed for my Spotify plays, I'm like, this is so not fun compared to like what I thought this was. So yeah, I definitely reordered, um, kind of got my head straight this last year. So starting in 2022, I was like, yeah, I had this moment. It was like New Year's. I flew back home before Christmas and I was supposed to come back to LA for this like big New Year's party. I was so excited. Like I, just one of those things. I was still like into that at the time. And um, my flight got delayed because it snowed back in Seattle. And so I had to like just spend the New Year's Eve in my, in my parents' house. And like, I remember like, this is so like juvenile looking back on it. But at the time I was like, damn, I really thought like based on like where my life was, I'd be like doing like cool rock star things. But like I'm back here not even going to any parties back home because I can't drive anywhere. Like I'm literally just alone in my house on new year's. I thought this was supposed to be a big year for me. And to me, that was very symbolic. And I like remember on at midnight, I was like went in the bathroom and just like stared at myself in the mirror. I think I just read that David Goggins book. You ever read the, like, <laughs> where he's like, where he does read excerpts and you know, little clips like every couple of years you got to stare yourself in the eyes in the mirror. I don't know. <laughs> I was so dramatic at this time. I was looking at myself and I was like, is this making you happy? Are you happy with yourself right now? And I, I think I just realized like, why do I care? Like, what does it matter from now to this party? Like, what is, what am I really going to go? I'm not going to like, what is this? What do I care about in my life? Like, and so I think from that moment, I decided that I was going to be like happy and get my act together. Um, I just kind of felt like a very important kind of moment. I get back to LA and like, um, yeah, immediately decided to like, I moved out of my garage that I lived in. I was like, I'm going to like, you know, uh, why do I need to be here anymore? Like I kind of yeah. did what I needed to hear. I got my own place. And I decided like, I'm going to like, you know, start being happy. Then I met my girlfriend, Ella, like right after this. And then she ended up being like just the most amazing person and like helped me find out like what's important in life. And then I took the year of 2022 to like 
just like get my shit figured out and then also finish the EP and yeah, kind of like reevaluate my career where I'm at, you know? Um, but it took a second because like when shit's happening so fast, like it was in 2021 and I was so new to it, like, I don't know what's happening, but you know, taking a little bit of time while it slowed down and like realigning my values felt like the most important thing I could have done. And I'm happy I didn't make any sudden movements, sudden movements. And like, I'm happy I didn't sign anything based off my TikTok deal, like a lot or based off my TikTok moment. Like a lot of people will, you know, like a lot of young artists might see some flashy numbers from some major labels and think that the TikTok hype is going to last forever. Um, and I'm happy that I didn't buy into that. I think yeah. I had some bad experiences with some people in the past, right? So I was like, fuck the suits at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I put myself, I set myself up for some very good, like delayed success and gratification, like long-term success rather than, you know, continuing to go with what had served me in that moment. Like I could have kept making the same song over and over again. I fed the TikTok algorithm and like done people were putting me in sessions and were like, cause my song that blew up mentions Netflix and Netflix, like, you know, made a video about it. They're like, what's the next corporation we can like name in the song. And I was like, man, like, yeah, what crazy. is this? Like, if I'm going to like, just do this paint by numbers, artistic thing, that's no different from having just like a normal job, nothing wrong with a normal job. I wanted this because I wanted to like, express myself and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I didn't want to like, as soon as it becomes like a paint. So I think I'm going to cut out for a second. Yeah. But, uh, as soon as it becomes that I'm like, there's a lot easier and less soul selling ways to make money and probably more money. Right. Like that. If it's for, if it's for the success and if it's for the numbers and for the money that I'm not, I'm not about that. So yeah. Um, remembering like why I got into this in the first place was kind of with the theme of last year and then finishing up the EP and doing the short film for the first half of this year, like really taught me a lot. And so I feel like, um, kind of heals from all that stuff that happened two years ago. And yeah, now I'm feeling really happy and good. So. Yeah. I think, I think anybody like in any kind of field that starts to kind of experience success, maybe even like more unexpected success kind of goes through like those growing pains and figuring out what, like what that actually means for them, what they really like want out of what they were trying to go after. So like, I think it's pretty normal path and process that people go through, but kind of like going back a little bit, like, who are some of your biggest influences when it comes to like music and to like songwriting and to like what really got you into like this style of music that you're like putting out now? Yeah. My first, um, I think like, there's obviously music like my dad showed me growing up. Like, um, I remember the first band that he showed me that I really liked when I was really young was the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I remember liking that when I was a little kid and I was like, I still like it's like fun, like high energy music. But then the first band that I found on my own, or at least felt like I found it on my own, because it was really trendy at the time, was like I think I was in like fifth grade or or less, maybe younger when American Idiot came out by Green Day. I thought that was like the coolest shit ever. So I think that those I guess you could say those two things like shaped my early formative years of music. But um getting into middle school, I started getting into like heavier stuff, or I guess more like melodic and um emotional stuff. So like I guess my my favorite band, like for most of my life, was Brand New or Taking Back Sunday, like that kind of scene of stuff. Um, and I, that was always the side of the pop punk emo thing that I gravitated towards. Um, I really liked how just like confessional and expressive it was. Um, but then I always had a fondness for hip hop, right? Like I loved, like you know, back in the day. I don't even know. If I consider myself a fan anymore, but like, you know, Kanye like really introduced me to a lot of music stuff. I've always loved Tyler the Creator and I like 
the Rockhampton guys, like, um, just like a mixture of these worlds, I guess, is where my, um, I think, uh, anyway, a mixture of these like kind of worlds of emo and kind of alternative hip hop, really, um, my formative stuff. And so when I started making my own music, I was like, where do I want to sit? And this is back when I think, um, when I first started making my solo music, I was like, huh, like a lot of people are kind of doing the pop punk thing again. Um, I didn't really connect with a lot of the new pop punk stuff people were making and they're like, you know, pop in GK world, nothing wrong with that. I just wasn't, it kind of, I think draws from a lot more of like the green day blink 182 side yeah, of things. 2000s kind of. Yeah. yeah for sure. I like stuff that I was gravitated towards more in that day. was like, yeah, I guess I was like, like brand new and like Max Sunday and like, um that to me was like underrepresented so i was like what if i like bring modernized like that kind of sound um and then after happy healthy blew up i remember i got really into weezer's second album pinkerton um and just the story behind it of like how in the wake of the blue album success they like went the other way and decided to like self-produce something and make it really like gritty and live sounding and then you know they never obviously did anything like that again but i think i was like inspired to make my own Pinkerton for junk mail. Um, down to like, I would like go on like message boards from like 2000 and would be like, people would be discussing like what gear they used. Um, but yeah, I think it's a combination of that. Like I've always liked elements of hip hop. I like the confessional emo stuff and I really like Pinkerton. So that was what went into junk mail. Um, and a lot of these were kind of like day of demos that I had made, but we started playing them live with my new band. And I was like, shit, what if we like, go full Pinkerton and just record this ourselves and make this like a real live thing. So I learned how to record a live engineer, a live band and produce a live band, which I had never done before, but I always get these ideas in my head and I'm like, oh, I'll figure it out. And then I do it and it's so fucking hard. So like, I don't have that background in any of this stuff. So figuring out how to produce a live band after I would like, I mean, like think about it, I'd really only been producing music for like a year and a half. Um, uh, then like setting my sights to like, okay, and it's also has to be really fucking good too. Um, took a long time to make junk mail. So yeah, we recorded this over a couple of days and like, I told these guys like, yo, like I'm going to mic you guys all up. Like, let's like yell, let's do all the harmonies live. Let's like keep all the noise in there. Let's make this shit sound like alive. Right. Um, and that I thought offset the kind of 2020 style of writing that the music was done. Except right, I wrote these songs with like in the wake of, you know, the era that I'm in, but I was like, what yeah. if we make these songs authentically like the stuff that inspired them versus like a weird uh revitalization of the sound i was like let's like really like serious this is make the sound like pinkerton but written my way and like that's that's kind of like my um most operandum for that but yeah that was a yeah there's a lot of people i listen to but that was kind of what inspired um junk mail as well as like say anything i gotta give say anything i i mentioned i love joyce manor um and like jeffers and sock those were like the oh and remo drive honestly their first album that all inspired the way that this record sounded. Okay, cool. I mean, I could definitely see those influences, especially with like the hip hop and the emo. And then like you mentioned Pinkerton, I didn't really like connect that at first, but like not you mentioned, I can definitely see kind of like where you're going with this. And, and I think, I think it definitely shows. Um, yeah. You also like wanted to bring me that kind of like the nineties, like you have a clear like kind of affection for like nineties era sound and music and like what was kind of like what's drawing you to that era and like what are like some of your favorite aspects that you wanted to kind of like bring back to like this modern era of music um 
I guess like I was saying in the beginning of this, where I was talking about playing upright bass, like there's a clear difference between like sounds and music, right? And I think to some people or to some music I hear, it's not bigger than the sum of its parts, right? Like, okay, you're playing guitar part, you're singing, you're, there's a drum, like, is any of this necessary? Like if I took out any of this, does it change the vibe? Like, do I, does it need any, does this even matter? So I was like, what I really liked about these timeless songs from the nineties is like, they're so fucking simple, right? Like they have like a guitar part, a drum part, a bass part, and like a vocal part. And I was like, why doesn't music do that anymore? And I was really thinking about it. I was like, why, why doesn't it do it anymore? And I think because people want to make music so quickly nowadays that they put less time and effort into each individual part that goes into the song. And so I was like, what if we just make these songs and make them on the day, like we, we spend a day making them, get all the ideas out, and then we strip them down to like the fundamentals. Like a lot of these used to be a lot more complex than they are. But I was like, does this song need this extra guitar? What does it actually do? Even down to like the style, like there's so little like reverb on this EP, just because I was like, a lot of people just like have reverb on their like vocal chain because they like think it needs to be on every song. But I was like, why? Like, listen to this shit that's actually timeless. If there's reverb on it, it's there for a reason. It's not like yeah. just don't, reverb doesn't make it sound better. Like same thing with like tuning. I was like, does this even need to have auto tune on it? Does it does it matter that this note isn't in tune? Like it still is. So I guess that was what I was looking back on is like, okay, why what makes these songs timeless? What made me want to pick up a guitar and learn these when I was a kid? Because it's not like they're anything that's like a fancy guitar part, but they're like yeah. I remember like playing simple, but that's so yeah, but I was like, yeah. Effective, really effective things that made me want to play music, right? And that's always been kind of my that was the guiding force for this is like minimalist in a way, like really boiling this thing down to its essential elements. And I think that really offsets the my kind of maximalist style of lyrics, right? Because I always try to fit like the weirdest words you can think of in a song. And I also figured if the instrumentals were too busy, you wouldn't be able to focus on like what I was saying. And I like to make my lyrics a I feel like I have a, a sense of knowing like when a lyric is just supposed to be something that's like ear candy that kind of blends in, or if you say some shit that's going to make people like, like stand out. Yeah. So I was like, let's just like do that. And uh, let's see how many cringe worthy things I can say in my lyrics and then offset it with just some like really minimal production. And aside from that, like, honestly, what I love about the nineties is like how fucking sick all the guitars are. Like how can I like music now? The guitars are so like, not hidden. I was like, why, why does Weezer, why is like the blue album even or the Pinkerton? Why does it sound so like heavy? There's no reason. Like it's not a heavy album, but he's like, these guitars are so beefy. And so that was kind of what I spent the most time on, like figuring out like, okay, how are they making this sound like this? And so, especially on songs like Nemo Night, like Apples and Oranges on the EP, yeah. so long, like dialing in those guitar tones so, so I could make them like as loud as possible. And I swear it's as simple as like, people are like, all they do is they just get like a, a boss, like DS1 and like, turn the tone down so they can like make it really loud. And I was like, Oh, that's so smart. Cause now every day, nowadays, I think a lot of guitars are like so distorted and so like high end, like yeah. bright that I just get into the technical stuff. But basically I just like the aesthetic of stuff. And then it's like poppy and heavy. And I don't know. And I think growing up in Seattle, there was always like the shadow of Nirvana over everything too. That uh, makes me be like, how, how, uh, how edgy can you make this thing? But there's a lot of answers for this. I think it's just an affection for what I grew up with and trying to recreate something that felt like the what blew my mind when I was a kid, right? Yeah. I, was, I mean, I was going to mention that because, like you said, like, you did grow up in Seattle, and Seattle was, in the 90s was such a, like, 
very unique special place and just in general like musically first as small of an area it is they've had like such a huge impact on like the sound and like direction of music especially like during the 90s like you said how everything is like a little bit more like stripped back but then like still like so memorable and like effective and it's like is that something that like i was going to say is that something that like influenced you but i mean obviously it did it's hard to be kind of from the area not be affected by like you know the grunge era and like everything else that, that was going on during the 90s yeah i mean the same thing too with like modest mouse and like death cat for cuties all that was a little more modern right but i used to love that shit i mean i still love that stuff and like definitely like ben gibbard's like lyrical style from like death cab and postal service like really took a had a huge influence on me and like i think you can tell in a lot of like the atonal like screaming and shit this comes from like old modest mouse that i put on this record like, um i was listening to a lot of that especially for like emo night or like any of the ones where i'm kind of just like riffing over the instrumental rather than actually singing a distinct melody but I mean, it's definitely such a musical place to be. I mean, like everyone I knew growing up, growing up had some sort of creative endeavor, which I didn't realize was um, that rare of a thing. But like, I feel like every kid in high school, like tried to do music at some point and all my non-musical friends would come over to my house and they'd like love, like just spitting on the mic, just like just messing around. Like, and that to me was always such a obvious thing, but you know, going to college and like a lot of my friends from Arizona, right. They don't know anyone that makes music or they don't, even people from like, I knew they grew up in like Pasadena or some shit. Like it's a more rare thing. So I think I grew up in a really um, unique area, area that was definitely influenced by like the legendary people that, you know, people are proud to be associated with just by living there. Yeah. All right. I mean, kind of like, um, what do you, what do you found like being like an indie artist? Like you said, you kind of been through the gauntlet of like going through like this learning curve and learning process of like how to be like this solo artist and like this artist in general like what are kind of some of the pros and cons that you have found like being as like an indie like independent artist out there doing your thing hmm. um i have so many thoughts about this uh <laughs> i think like what do i start with this a lot of people take, okay, this is my thing. I love like independent artists. I think it's really cool that um, people can nowadays be a musician. Like the, the ring has opened up to so many people now because of the internet and because of, I guess, like how inexpensive some like prosumer technology is. I mean, like, and good, like this mic that I use, I'll show you, it's right here. The same exact mic that I recorded all my music on the entirety of junk mail. I bought when I was 14 years old for like $300. It's the same thing that I've been making music on my entire life. And like, that wouldn't have been possible 20 years ago. Right. Um, so, and then the internet makes it possible to share it. Right. Um, but I think a lot of people get, because the floor has been lowered, people have the idea that like anyone can be a musician, which is true. But I think it gives a false impression of how easy, or I guess I should say not easy this is because everyone can do it now. Um, a lot of more people quit because it's a lot harder than you think. I think it's still the same level of difficulty to be good now as it was back then, but the barrier to entry is a lot lower. So um, the same amount of people that will be successful, I think, or same percentage of people are still successful in the sense of, I guess, like living off their music. If that, yeah. That's the goal. There's a lot of goals, but... Um, but I think it's cool that now, like, you don't have to be the biggest artist in the world to do music full time. Right. But, um, I think a lot of people get discouraged because they're not, 
popping. Like, but I'm like, Hey, because more people can play now, like the pot is a lot smaller that you're going to get. So, um, be prepared for that. Um, but, um, what was the original question about independent artists? Just, just, just oh, it's hard about being an indie artist. Yeah, yeah. I guess the hardest part, honestly, is like the, the money. Let, let's be real. Like my song to, was released like midway through July of 2021, Happy Healthy. And I didn't see a check from that until like January. It was like a variety of reasons. So like, okay, you think some shit's going to happen that like it's going to change your life. Minimum, you got like a three month delay in which time the labels are going to like know that you're hungry for the money and they're going to try to sign you and give you an advance because they know you're not going to get it for three months, six months in my case. But it just is like, how do you, it's like a chicken or the egg thing. Like how do you fund your lifestyle while, uh, how do you fund being an artist? Like it takes so much time to like really put your all into it. And if you're spending 40 hours a week at your job, like it's almost impossible to make music your number one priority yeah. just based on like quantitative time like if you're spending 40 hours at work spending more than 40 hours on music is hard so what your option is to spend less time at work get less money the nla is very expensive um so i mean in my solution this is not financial advice but like i got into so much credit card debt to do this and like i, I thought of it as a student loan you know some people like pay money to go to school and um i was like that same logic I'm going to invest in my career. Right. But it just seems like every time I'm about to pay my credit card off, like I reach a new level of, I guess, success or something that requires me to put more money back into it. So it's just, yeah, I guess I'm just thinking like, okay, if you really want to be an independent artist, you got to be willing to front the risk somewhere. Right. So I always tell people like, Hey, quit your job, like quit your day job is my phrase. Like do that first. A lot of people have the illusion that their music's going to like, take off first and then they can quit their job. I actually completely disagree. I think you have to like quit. You have to jump before and the rope will appear or the net will appear. Right. But like putting your dream second to like your job, people don't realize you're doing it, but you have to, like I vowed when I moved to LA that I would like literally never have a job again. Um, just cause that I felt like I had to commit. I love committing to like things and just doing it. But, uh, I think a lot of people need to know that if you want to be an indie artist and you want to do this, you have to actually really commit. Like it's really fucking hard. It's not glamorous. You maybe get like five minutes of glory for every like 5,000 hours you put into it. So like even this thing on Friday, right? I worked on this EP. I started writing these songs in 2021. I spent like a year and a half finishing it. I spent six months making a short film, spent like so much money on this premiere. So we had this giant outdoor screen. We we're going to show the film. I've been filmed about boxing. So I like, I rented this giant boxing ring and I had the band in this balcony. We were all playing outside. And I was like, Oh my God, this is going to finally be my moment. This is like two years of work. And then we got through one song before the cops came and shut it down. Sure and like, we they brought like helicopters. They were saying, if you don't stop this, we're going to fine you a thousand dollars a minute for the copter. And they were like, wow. that's so bad. But then I was like, we got one song in, but I'm like, Oh, like so much work went into this. And I didn't even get to have, I didn't even get to like, Cause I was like, after this party's over, I'm going to, after I like play the show, I'm going to relax, enjoy myself, celebrate. But like, I didn't even get that. But at the same time, it's like, fuck it. That's what this is. Like, you're not in it. Like you really got to be in it for the craft of it and for the, the journey. Cause like, there's really no destination and it's not glamorous. I mean, I, I, just, I don't think it is at this point in my life. Maybe it will be. That's what keeps me going. It's like the, maybe it will be right. But uh, no, it's fucking hard to be an indie artist. And at the same time being signed is like, also difficult. Like you get, you know, it's pros and cons. You get your money. Like you can, you can do, um, you can fund your stuff more. You can live a more comfortable life. But at the same time, like 
if you're not ready, if you're not, your ideas aren't there, if your vision is not airtight, you're going to be worse off than if you hadn't signed. So it's just, uh, I guess my advice is like, really know what you want. And like, it's hard when it's such a weird, veiled, mystical industry, but I'm like, don't, don't rush into things, like figure out what exactly you want, take some risks, open a business credit card. I don't give a fuck, do something, but like, don't, don't delude yourself into thinking you're working hard when you're not. Um, but yeah, that's a sort of my answer to the question, I guess. Okay. All right. I mean, at some point you said like, I'm for sure. Like, I think the barrier to entry is super low now, but I think like anybody can like, I would say like anybody can make music or put music out, but not everybody can like be an actual musician. Like that's a whole another thing that comes with all these other things that come with, like you said, like with the business and the money and like dealing with all these other different things you'd have to deal with. Like, that's just a whole nother side that people don't really consider when they're like, Oh, I'm just going to go into music. Like, but there's like a whole different side to things, you know what I mean? But at the same time, that feeling of like, Oh, I want to do music. Cause I love it. You have to make sure you don't lose touch of that because like with all the bullshit you got to deal with, it's so easy to lose sight of like why you started this in the first place. Right. Yeah. Um, almost impossible not to lose sight of it. And I almost think that's part of it. Like, I think everyone has to go through the phase of like falling out of love with it and then back in love with it yeah. over and over again. And just kind of accepting that's, that's what this career path is. Um, and yeah, I guess for me, it's like, you know, you get what you ask for. Like I specifically wanted this job because I didn't want like a boring monotonous nine to five. Not that I know anything fucking about this. It's just like the villain in my head of like, I don't want to work in an office, but I'm also like, Okay. Then if I want this job, I know it's going to be unstable. I know it's going to be feast or famine. Like I have to be ready for, you have to be ready for what you ask for. I mean, same thing with like happy healthy. Like I asked for this moment, I got it. And then I was like, oh shit, now I have it. Like there's actually some negatives to this that I didn't expect, but you got to be ready for, you got to be ready for that. Yeah. And um, like I said, junk mail EP just came out last week, last Friday. Um, how's the, how's the response been so far? so fucking good i like am so stoked about how much people are responding to it i mean like that makes sense like i mean i know it's good like i knew it's honest and i felt like it's the most honest thing i've put out i feel like i was it takes a lot of confidence to be honest in music at least for me but the stuff i put out before just feels less confident and less honest and a little more performative this music really feels like me bearing my soul and um it's like scary because i was like oh wouldn't it suck if like i buried my soul and people didn't like it but everyone's always like no dude that's stuff people like and i'm like ah whatever i don't believe you but putting it out and even seeing like emo night right is like so extra that's the first song on the ep it's so like um confessional and like over dramatic and i was like uh, everybody gonna like this but this one has had like the best like first weekend opening of like any song i've put out ever so um that's a combination of i guess just it being good. And then also like the good folks over at AWOL where I signed a distribution with distribution deal with, they, um, really understood the vision understood how to like pitch it to the audience that I thought it would, you know, fit in better with. And yeah. one of our goals was to like move me out of this lane that TikTok put me into and try to introduce me to like a new kind of like more indie alternative world of what I I'm making. And I think that really worked out because now it's like, yeah. Um, people are really responding to it um the film we haven't even talked about the film really i'm not sure if that's in this conversation that went over really well at the premiere too i've never made a short film obviously before but uh that shit went like over splendidly i'm so proud of it that's probably the thing i'm most proud of i ever made is that short film but uh yeah i'm really excited for that um to come out on the internet that'll be out in like i think july 14th is the release date 
Okay. I might not really be. I don't know if that's for sure what we're going to do, but we're going to submit it to the festivals and stuff, and then it'll be online. But it goes with the EP. It uh, The EP is the soundtrack to the short film, but it I'm not like lip syncing the words. It's not. The songs are just like part of the sound, like the soundtrack the way any other one would be. And we're, it's like a, we're acting in it. It's me, my girlfriend Ella is in it and she directed it as well. And then one of my other good friends is the, the other lead. And yeah, it's like 20 minutes long. It follows like this dude in like a year of his life and he's a boxer and it's fucking violent and dark and gritty, but also funny. And like, yeah, I'm super happy that it turned out. Okay, so and I think it's a little acting skills too. Yeah. That's always been the goal. I always wanted to do that as well, but okay. I guess with music, I'm willing to like, you can do music on your own. Like theoretically, I mean, like Happy Healthy, I made all by myself and it like took off. You cannot make a movie on your own. I mean, unless you're like both random. Yeah. But I've always wanted to act, but I'm not willing. I guess I wasn't willing to grind at it. Okay. So that's the bad way to say it. I wasn't, I didn't know how to grind at it alone the way I could with music. So I always figured at some point I would start crossing over once I like, you know, met more people who were interested in it that could help me out. And then I'm willing to like work my ass off this dude, work the short film. It was so hard. Like I've been to so many music videos before, right? But I'm like, okay. A three minute music video is X amount of work. So a 20 minute short film should be like seven times the amount of work because it's seven times longer. No way. Like I can make a music video in like two weeks, but this thing took actually six months of like every, all day work every day. Like it was insane. Yeah. So um I had a lot of fun though. It was, it was really cool. I'm really happy with how it turned out. And uh I think acting is definitely the next step for me okay. one of the next things i want to start pursuing so i mean you're in la so it's kind of like perfect place for it too just so right it kind of seems that way it's almost like i moved here for long. yeah <laughs> so kind of um what was like kind of touched on a little bit like your creative process but like one thing that kind of resonated with me when you're talking about it is how like you would start with like this kind of like big massive sound and like kind of strip everything back because like, like i think that's i think that's like a sign of when somebody creative is like really hit like a really good level because you know you learn things you kind of like figure out new ways to do things and like it's all new like exciting things and then when you can, can kind of do that and then kind of like strip it back and still kind of bring out that element i think that's like that's, i think that's like a sign of when somebody's like really hit like a really comfortable level like musically and, and creatively so like kind of what was like your creative process of, of like getting to that point so let's take like Emo Night as an example of that song. Um, the way I had it in the demo has a lot more polish to it. Like there's a lot more like little guitar parts and little beeps and boops and like the drum part is a lot more complex and it's like a drum loop and the vocals are all perfect and touched up and like the chorus um, has a different kind of like harmony. But when I would listen to it, I was almost like this like level of polish actually takes away from the song. Like there's a certain balance in this song that I was like, this song's supposed to be like a fucking manic, depressive dude talking about how he hates LA. But why does it sound so glossy? Like why? Yeah. That, that, that doesn't matter. Like that doesn't do anything. And I had known that. So I kind of like started, I kind of shelved the song. I kind of didn't really think about it because I didn't really, my mind wasn't opened yet to the idea that I could like redo it. But then I played Emo Night, um, which is like this, do you know what Emo Night is? Yeah. Yeah, we, I played Emo Night in LA here. And I had this idea of like, what if we just played all my songs 
with no backing tracks, like just a live band, kind of the way that I used to do with my, my old band. Cause I'd done shows before we did the backing tracks and it always felt a little flat to me. So when we did it live, it was just me on the guitar, friend Jeremy on the guitar, friend Daniel on the drums, my friend Reef on the bass. And we played all these songs and I was like, whoa, this is how they're supposed to sound. Like they're all loose and like not perfect and they're like noisy and loud. And like, I was like, okay guys, what if we just did this live set and re-recorded like all these songs this way? And that was what we put out. Um, but then, you know, I always start with a big idea and figure out how to do it. And then actually figuring that out was like tough, but um, especially with Emo and I, right? Like that one went from like one of my least favorite ones to like, now it's like my favorite song because of the way that like listen to the song. Like it's kind of like, it's not perfectly on beat. It's not perfectly in tune. Not that like, that's a good, I'm not bragging about that necessarily, but I'm like, what I'm saying is back then I would have used to hear these imperfections and think I needed to fix them yeah. rather than being like, Oh, this is just what the music is. Let it be the music. Don't that's like so what, you know. what was recorded is the art. Yeah. With it afterwards because you want to correct it. doesn't even make sense. If you go in there and you want to experiment and do some shit and like, you want to fuck with your voice and like mess around with it to like, add to the music, you know, more power to you. I've done that a million times. But for this, I was like, this, what is captured is what is the music in my head. And let's like figure out a way to make that make sense rather than like trying to, um, white out over where I like color outside the lines. You know what I mean? Cause I think that that grittiness kind of edge to it is the vibe that I like about like some of the older stuff. Like if you listen to some of the songs back in the day, like you put them into your, 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 Oh, like it's like a little out of tune and like it's not perfectly in time and like who cares like you don't notice that but yeah. that feeling that is there like that looseness i think allowed us to play the songs with a lot more energy and allowed me to express myself in a way that felt more authentic um but i didn't feel so confined by like this has to be anything and just let it be what it needed to be which is it sounds like a song played by people jamming in a basement which is what it was so um then it came to the point where i'm like well do i add these other elements back in that like we're in the original demo and the answer was kind of like, no, like, and I should have learned this a long time ago too, because I have a problem with like, or I used to, now I'm a lot better about it, but I used to have this perfectionist angle where I was like, everything has to be perfect, but based on what, like, how the fuck do I know what's perfect? I just, all I have to do is make the thing. Right. But like with happy, healthy, for example, um, when that song came out on TikTok, that like snippet, it um, obviously it was not the final version, right? But the part that blew up, I think, was the lyrics. Like people liked what it was saying. So when I went to re-record it, I also re-recorded the vocal tape. And for whatever reason, people I showed it to were like, like, I like the original one better. And I was like, why? Like for all, like that was recorded badly. It's like done in a room with a weird mic. Like it was just a demo. This new version's better. But then I was like, I learned better doesn't mean better like there's yeah. no such thing like i happen to be able to capture that because music's just an emotion you really just want to capture something there so like whatever however magically i did it i captured it on that day and i couldn't capture it another day so i was like all right like this isn't the best recorded thing but it has the vibe in it so that's what you have to do so i guess that always stuck out to me so when doing junk mile i was like i like how messy this is that's the vibe i want um trying to perfect it doesn't make sense. So, um, because perfecting it, I, I think people like try to perfect their art because I read a quote that was like, the only reason you want to, you want to make something perfect is to make up for the fact that it came from you. And that really resonated for me with me. Cause it's like a lot of artists have this like self-hating thing and they, 
you know, want to express themselves desperately, but also are so self-conscious. So it's like, here's me front and center, no reverb to hide behind, no auto tune, except when it's necessary, except when it sounds cool. And I'm just like, I'm just gonna let this be me. Let me, let me be out there. And it feels really good to be like, ah, this is me. Like, I don't have to hide. But even then, like even going forward now, I'm even more into this like pure freedom of expression thing where it's like, I don't even know if things are good anymore. All I know is that they're true. So that's not for me to decide if it's good. And maybe I never knew in the first place. Um, yeah, I just like making things that are authentic at their core and adding unnecessary details like we were saying might just take away from that. So why risk it? Yeah, it's a very um like that's a very freeing kind of state and point to be at like creatively because mm -hmm. you don't have to like you can just create for the sake of like just creating, you know, and like letting it kind of speak for itself. And I think that's like an incredibly place to like be able to reach as an artist or a creative in like whatever field you're doing. But like I think speaking about like junk mail, you kind of talked about it a little earlier. Like the overall themes of the EP, um, just kind of speaking about to how you got to this point in your life and your career or whatever that you like weren't happy with, and you kind of became like a to toxic kind of male. Like, is that kind of like the the meaning behind behind the album or the EP? Yeah, um, I guess I wasn't saying I wouldn't say I'm, I was like a toxic guy in the sense yeah. of like I was with other people's life but i was definitely not helping my own life like i was doing shit that made me unhappy for what like making myself unhappy so that i would have stuff to write songs about seems like a cop out to me seems like i'm trying to make it too easy for myself like i used to like do these i don't know like talk to girls who didn't give a fuck about me so that they'd make me sad and i would want to write a song like that just sounds like that just sounds like self-harm to me like, so I think that's what I was kind of using music as. I don't know. You know, it's weird to say, but like specifically like making myself unhappy so that I could make art. Or you have something to create, yeah. But now it's like, it took me a while to figure out how to make things from a place, a different place, you know? Um, and obviously there's still like stuff to be heard about. Or it's, it's weird to describe in words, but music used to just come from this kind of painful place for me. And um I mean, I think that's evident in the way that I created the EP even like, you know, I made it with my friends, but then I sat inside for like months and just tried to finish this thing. And it made my mental health terrible and like hurt my neck. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, it's not good. I wasn't doing, I just like, junk mail is a very painful thing to make. And I guess, um, maybe it comes from a level of like, me not liking who I was at the time and doing shit that felt like some weird sort of punishment for my inherent badness or I don't know. But uh, the storyline of it, you know, it's I came to LA, pursue this thing, and I ended up fucking hating it and myself. Uh, at the same time, talking to this girl who gave a fuck about me, and then, um, you know, forgetting what I liked about it in the first place. So the EP it kind of follows the storyline, like Emo and I kind of plunks you down. It's right in the start of it. I'm at this like party in LA, and I fucking hate it. Like, what is this? This sucks. Like, why did I like this? And then I had the falling out with like my old managers and like, I was really just disillusioned with like the music business and stuff, which is what the song pudding is about. Um, then I kind of reached to make it or break it spot with this girl. And like, that's what 2am is about. Paycheck is like a flashback to like how life used to feel or like the way LA used to seem like this big sparkly thing in the distance before I was actually living in it. And so that song's about the way I used to work at this bar and tell everyone I was going to be a musician and, I felt a lot better to say that than it actually felt to do it, right? Um, 
Yeah, then it all comes to like a, a conclusion in my song Apples and Oranges, which is kind of comparing like using the girl as a metaphor for like, here's this girl now that, you know, my shit's popping, but she doesn't give a fuck about me. And I used to have this girl that liked me when my teeth were crooked. So like that to me is a song about like, what are you really chasing with this, right? Like you kind of had it all before this started. Like you had a family who loved you and friends and like a girlfriend who liked you for who you were. And then as you try to become something you what you thought was like your dream or like you want to become larger in life than life. Yeah. Maybe you're achieving these things, but these people don't give a fuck about you. None of this matters. Um, and then that's like the kind of conclusion and the epilogue of the EP is super in love where I'm kind of looking back on this year in LA and like realizing like, yeah, I loved that girl. And like, I loved the city, but what I really like is the music and the songs I got to make from it. Um, and so, yeah, that shit kind of sucked, but in the end I can be happy about it. Um, because you gotta be, I guess. Okay. And, um, there's one track I did want to talk about. You did mention it, like pudding, like, seemed like, you know, you were getting some things off your chest about maybe like past dealings with like labels or like the industry in general. Like, is that something that like, that was something that you really had to like get out there? Like, can you kind of like speak about that song? Yeah. Um, like, uh, the people who I met in like my first year of music, you know, I mean, I guess I wouldn't even say that specific. There are a lot of people in this industry who promise you a lot and very few people who can follow through on anything. Right. And, um, I think there's this kind of idea that I bought into that, like, you know, you're this undiscovered talent and someone's going to come and, you know, take your life and change it and do it all for you. And like people present themselves that way. Like, Hey, I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to make your career happen for you. I'm going to make you a star. Yeah, like I every time I say I don't believe it, like, people, yeah. people like, you know, trick me somehow. So at that point I was like, I don't want to hear one more word from anyone like this. Like this fucking sucks. I want to make a song that like, I want to be able to put it out so people hear it and be like, Oh, that's how he feels about these people. But, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was like, but now I look back on it and I'm like, uh, since then I've met some cool people. So I feel bad. I'm always like, Oh, that song's not about you. So, but, uh, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, see talent and try to exploit it or, um, get like their rocks off by like, I don't even know what, I don't even get what these people get out of it. They're like, I'm going to help you be a star. And then they don't do anything for you, but then tell people that they're helping you. I'm like, what did anyone gain from this? There's nothing, nothing happened. And I guess I got really like, at first, like disgruntled about, but then empowered about that. Like there's nothing anyone can do for you that you can't do for yourself. Like I'm serious. Like you, people can help you do what you're already doing, but no one can do anything for you. Uh, whether that's in your like career or like, I don't know, let's say you're having like a mental health problem or something. No one can fix that for you. You have to be willing to do it yourself before anyone can help you. Or maybe people can try to like help you help yourself, but there's really nothing that, anyone can do for you. I don't know if that's pessimistic, but for me, it's like an empowering statement. Where it's like, well, fuck it, I can do anything. And I think that song was just like a big fuck you to everyone who like promised me that they would help me. And then, you know, by them promising me that I kind of let the slack off. I got to slack off a little bit and then go to check in on them. And it's like, Oh fuck. Now my career is all out of hand because I gave you some responsibility. I should never have let you have any of it. So it's like, I reminded myself that like, no, this job, like no one gives a fuck about it as much as you do, even 1% as much. So like, 
do your thing. Be a boss. Don't let these fucking suits hit anything. <laughs> there are levels there. There's some cool. There's some cool people, especially like now with like being a part of AWOL. They're fucking amazing. Like those are like the best people ever. Like my new um, kind of the new scheme I built around me is like some of the good people, you know. But uh, there are definitely some people who do not have your best interest at heart. More their own. I don't know what some of these people are getting out of it. They're just fucking with artists because I don't know. I don't know. Fuck the suits, but yeah. not everyone can see it. Yeah. Okay, so Junk Mail EP out as of last week. Finally, after all, you know, a lot of hard work. So, like, what, what's the future? What's the goals? You're going to do some shows, maybe some tours. I know you have the short video you said coming out maybe July 14th, somewhere around there. <laughs> that's the next thing um trailers are out for it now on my instagram it's the coolest thing ever um the next thing for this is i'd love to hop on a tour i have a next cp tour i got a lot of shit i learned from happy healthy i never will i'll never will have a dry pipeline i have a lot of music now um so there's another ep coming out by the end of the year quick uh that's a little surprise for everyone we have the short film coming out which is fucking sick gonna do the festivals for that um Gonna be doing more acting, hopefully on a TV show or something this year. Also, that's kind of the rest of the year. Um, but yeah, gonna be playing shows around LA probably two or more towards the end of the year slash beginning of next year. And yeah, my face will be somewhere on the big screen. I don't know where yet. I'm also just like saying this with nothing set up, but I feel like things tend to happen in the world. So I'm a big believer in that shit. I, I say a lot of stuff, and somehow it all ends up happening. So yeah, hey, you got it. You got it. Somebody got to say it first, you know. Oh my god! All right, man. Yeah. It was uh, great speaking with you. Thank you for taking time out and kind of speaking about your music and your process and like how you got to here. Like Junk Mo EP out now. Everybody go run those streams up. It's a phenomenal project, and you know, excited to see what else you kind of like have going on this year because I think that you're like onto something. Like you definitely have like a very um, unique, special sound out there, and I think that a lot of people kind of gravitate towards it. Yeah, thank you so much, and I appreciate you having me. This is a really cool interview. Uh, thank you, and uh, you know, maybe we'll speak again in the future when you have more music on the way. Hundred percent.